Today I am really excited and grateful to be interviewing a very fine actor who played not only one of my favourite CID characters of all time, but he's also our first interviewee to have also played a villain in the bill as well. We're also going to be getting some fascinating insight into his new career as I'm currently sat with a counsellor. Excellent, Greg Donaldson. Welcome to the Bill Podcast. Thank you very much. Oh, Thank you. Good you, to be here. Uh, would you mind painting the scene for the listeners? Where are we right now? How are we talking today? Okay, so at the moment we're sat in a counselling room at the Psychosynthesis Trust in London Bridge. And um, this is a place where, since 2012, I've been studying and learning my new craft and now I practice here I have a client base here client practice here and in and in Brighton so currently we're in in one of the rooms that's uh kind of nicely lit a few nice paintings on the walls and just kind of got a bit of a calm calm atmosphere you know very much so yeah but today uh rather than doing the listening you're doing the talking as it were so uh... yeah yeah so maybe it's a bit of therapy for me (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) to to become a counsellor you go through sort of a diploma now I'm right in the middle of my master's to become a psychotherapist. So, wow. you know, it, it, it's it's a sort of long journey and a kind of ongoing journey. But, you know, f- right from the beginning, you're seeing clients and, you know, working with people. So uh, it's funny, actually, because I always kind of now liken it to sort of sitting in a rehearsal room, sitting with a client or even like sitting in supervision or something like that. You, you're discussing what makes people tick, like how, what they, you know, why they are like they are. Mm. And it, and that's what it was like being an actor is like you know you're journeying into people's psyches to kind of go why why am I why would this character do this mm. Mm. why does he you know and why does he feel that he has to be like this and like that and now I do that with real people's lives I guess you know and sort of try and help them guide them through their difficulties and their stresses and their sort of depressions and their existential angst mm. and all that sort of stuff so yeah that's very similar career really apart from um, perhaps a little bit less sort of a uh, song and dance and jazz yeah. hands yeah yeah <laughs> although you know there's always <laughs> yeah. a bit of that yeah right well I've enjoyed your YouTube videos on YouTube oh you've seen those oh yeah I've watched every single one and interesting the one that stuck stuck with me was the one that sometimes people feel stuck and yeah. that's, that's perhaps a common theme you've experience and I suppose it's something we've all experienced at some stage so yeah would you mind elaborating on that like well I think what? you're exactly right it's like it, it, it is something that um, at some point in anyone's lives you get to a sort of place a crossroads if you like when kind of life is asking something more of you but but you don't quite know how to sort of take the opportunity or you don't or you can't see the opportunity there's also I think in my opinion there's a kind of massive sort of conditioning with people they think that they have to do for instance like the nine to five job you know they have to do the the life that they that they imagine or they've been told that they should have and so when you know life kind of knocks them and and a new opportunity arises a lot of people will do their utmost to resist that change Mm. and to keep it away because it just means a, a sort of new 
frightening reality of like, oh my God, what if I actually did change career or I did change my relationship or, or, or I followed this new path that doesn't make any sense but actually gives my heart joy, you know. Mm. And, and so, I don't know, I sort of, I feel like I sort of help guide people through that, through that process. Not give them permission as such to do it, but just like explore what it means, what life is to them, you know. That's why I call my counselling uh, practice emerging purpose because I just feel like we all have a purpose you know even if we're not aware of it something is speaking through us wanting us to try something new unknown something frightening something scary and 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 right in that place is is where I sort of feel quite alive you know like it's an invitation for something Um, well you've done it yourself by just by doing this haven't you so that's the thing you know I kind of I got to the end of one career and I was in a bit of an existential crisis myself. Mm. Like, you know, I didn't feel like there was any meaning left for me as an actor. Mm. You know, it got to a point where I was sort of just doing it, being like a cog in a wheel, like a sort of, you know, going up for ad auditions and sort of feeling like, oh my God, I'm just a sort of commodity. And, (laughs) you know, this is just meaningless. Like, I didn't get into this business to... Yeah. to advertise yeah. <laughs> stuff yeah. products you know yeah. i wanted to like inhabit characters and and search through people's psyche so in some ways like you know I, I, those 20 years as an actor sort of served me well for this career really mm. but you know it took me a while to accept that i might need to change and go through that sort of long dark night of the soul mm. you know which mm. is often the kind of precursor to a sort of more enlightening moment. I, I sort of almost see uh, those moments of depression or, or um, existential crisis as a kind of rite of passage. You know, yeah. it's like we're going to have to go through those moments in life. There's no way that we're going to avoid them. You know, many people try to avoid them with drugs and alcohol and mm. um, binge <laughs> Netflixing, and you know, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Um, binge bill watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My current crisis, obviously. <laughs> it's all right. You're in the right place, all of yeah. you. You're in the right place. <laughs> you know, we've all got our ways of avoiding whatever they were, whatever the new reality might be, and. And, you know, they're, they're really helpful, those those crutches. You know, it's really helpful to have those things until they're not, mm. you know, until it's too painful. And then the, and then the universe comes knocking really loudly, yeah. you know, like more something a bit more disastrous or something a bit more kind of like until you listen, until you listen. And, and you know, that's, you know, and that's all my opinion. Yeah, but... I must say, do you know, know what I mean? I've put a sort of... When you'd made that decision to think, right, I'm going to pursue this, just how long a process was it for you to get to where we are sat in this fantastic room now? So, Well, I'll tell you what, it, you know, towards the last sort of two or three years of, of uh, my sort of acting career, I suppose, you know, 2009, 2010, you know, I was in a pretty difficult area with it because I just, I did feel, like, as I said, like a commodity. Mm. And also I felt like a bit sort of desperate because you know you've probably spoken to other actors and there's this whole thing in the acting game where you know you're only kind of really good as you as good as your last job mm. you know it's like you're trying to for me it was like trying to ch- chase a fix like not to put to put anyone down or any kind of productions down or anything like that but I got to the point where I was like 
you know, I'd go up for a doctor's audition or something like that. And, you know, there was this kind of desperation in me, like, I must get this because, you know, I'm an actor and I'm a good actor and and I need to prove to myself that I've still, you know, got it. So every job meant the world, yeah. you know. And then you'd get the job and then go kind of go, oh, but it's just doctors. <laughs> yeah. not, and that's not to put, you know, no. that programme down or anything, but what I'm saying is, you know the meaning behind getting a job got so inflated for me mm. that it was mm. like a sort of... Um, I couldn't just be a jobbing a- a- actor. It felt like, you know, like a sort of... There was more of a, more of a kind of um, a desperation to prove... that like, You're all right, Greg. You're all right, you know. Yeah. And I, to be honest, that just got a bit too painful to d- keep walking into audition rooms and doing mm. that. Yeah. And it felt like I was sort of walking in there with a, like... Um, a sort of very young part of me and kind of going, there you go, perform, you know, mm. get the job. And it was all on that younger part of me to, to get that job. And, you know, and sometimes I didn't get the job, obviously, because, you know, sometimes you don't. That's an extremely tough profession, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, so I really bought into, I was really identified with that actor, with that actor part of myself. And it, and it just got more and more painful, to be honest. And, and, I, and I was searching around for something else. And, you know, I ended up in therapy Right, right. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, you could help others, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it felt like a sort of natural progression, really, that, um, you know, what I was doing, the work that I was doing with my therapist at that time, you know, was felt incredibly helpful. And it, it, and in some ways, like, the pro, you know, my, my progress through this becoming a counsellor and everything, I sort of healed my relationship to acting. You know, at one point, I even thought, well, actually, now I've kind of done that and I've healed that. I could probably go and be an actor and it wouldn't actually mean so much to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I could I could be a jobbing actor who just took the punches or, you know, took the highs and took the lows and actually just kind of roll with it a bit more. Yeah. But I thought, you know what? I'm, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe uh, there's something else. You know, maybe I can do something else. And, me, and you know, and, and never say never. You know, there have been some opportunities to do some acting roles and maybe one day I will do do that again, but I won't. I, th- I won't do it with the same sort of like need mm. for like to have a successful career at it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It will be because I want to do it because yeah. I want to play that character. That character will mean something to me, and I'll and I'll I'll cherish the sort of creative process with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we go back as to how your career began, I have to. While I remember, I watched your show reel. It's a genius opener. You're playing like a spy and you're walking down a corridor and there's this voiceover explaining, you know, this fantastic secret agent or something. And then you do the best pratfall I've ever seen where you walk into the camera and then somehow in the time the camera pans down, you've leapt down a flight of stairs and you're just like polaxed. It's brilliant. It's a cracking bit of comedy. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, <laughs> I sort of have to to give that to, you know, Nick Alderton was the director of that and the writer and, right. and, and it was a, such fun to play, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, and I also had a scene with Pauline Collins in that, in oh, that, that short oh. movie, which is, you know, amazing. Cool. And John Alderton. So, yeah, it, it, it was really fun to play the sort of bumbling... MI5 agent <laughs> yeah. in that, 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 that short film, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, how did your acting career begin? Were, were any genes in the family? Were any of your no, I mean, family into acting? Or? No, I had an, an uncle who was uh, into acting. 
Yeah, he was sort of my inspiration, really. But I, I, I didn't hadn't really connected that until I was much later when I went to drama college, and I realised that I had this uncle that had been an actor and then had become. Funnily enough, he'd then become a teacher and then a therapist. Wow. So, I sort of feel like I'm following in my uncle's footsteps. I think he saw quite early that it was going to be a tough profession and sort of got into the teaching and then into the th- into the therapy. But yeah, I, I, I sort of decided when I was very young, I knew from a very young age that, I, you know, I was eight and I decided I was either going to be a long distance lorry driver right. or an actor. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, I probably should have chosen the long distance <laughs> lorry driver. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> and so did drama college or any of, any of your peers, that, any names we'd remember, or have you kept in touch with anyone from your drama college days? Or yeah, I mean, um, a very good friend of mine, Kate Alderton, I'm still friends with from my from drama college. In fact, we had our I think we had our 20 year reunion from Lambda. We were, I was at Lambda uh, when I was 18 for three years, and they were just incredible years, you know. And there was a sort of we all went off and there were you know there were actors there were quite a few well-known actors I think um there's a good friend of mine James Darcy went off to oh, yeah. he's he's done really well for <laughs> yeah. himself uh John Light he's doing a lot of stage in the uh, West End at the moment and um Paul Williams who wrote London to Brighton and directed that yeah um he's he's having an, an amazing sort of career you know he's been directing some broad t- churches and he's had a bit of a film career yeah I mean you know I think when in this reunion it was what was so lovely was just that everyone almost like slipped back into their kind of roles you know yeah. and, it, and there was a really lo- sort of lovely camaraderie it didn't feel I think a lot of people before turning up for that that reunion felt nervous yeah as yeah, if, yeah as if like oh well, my god I've you I've know, there's some, yeah, I've got to prove myself and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, a few people didn't turn up because of that. They were like, it was just too much. But the ones who did, it was sort of, we, we just we realised, you know, we all kind of loved each other, you know. Yeah. You, you, you form a close bond, you know, in mm. drama college. And then you go out into the sort of world and, you know, it's a lot more competitive and a lot, a lot more harsh. And, you know, and, and then, you know, you, you obviously, you know, you form lots of sort of bonds with people throughout you know all the different jobs you do you're sort of thrown into these kind of mad acting scenarios and you can't help but form those kind of friendships you know yeah yeah Yeah. and did you turn professional in 95 am I right yeah yeah that's right I well I left drama college just slightly early and did a play at the Lyric in Hammersmith oh wow yeah so that was my first professional gig wow Uh, and it was yeah it was a pretty edgy edgy play actually (laughs) <laughs> do you want me to go into yes, it please or? yeah okay. <laughs> yeah so it was this um, it was this kind of new writer and he'd written this play about this kind of gay relationship and the gay club scene and everything and I was playing this sort of young gay clubber and there, there was this scene <laughs> I sort of <laughs> there was this scene in the play that was basically the character they were tripping on acid yeah. And they were also there was a sort of like a lot of physical, let's say, intimacy. Yeah. And you know, I was a little bit like, oh my god, how did I get into this? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I signed up for this, and it was kind of like, <laughs> wow, um, you know. But I was like a young actor, and I was like taking it very seriously. And um, you know, the, the, it sold out. You know, that was my first experience of of doing a play. Uh, you know, 
in this kind of amazing theatre in Hammersmith and the play sold out and it was it was very successful you know and I kind of thought oh well if it's going to be like this yeah yeah great let's go yeah, let's, let's do it. it I'm ready you know yeah. oh, wow. so I kind of I kind of um, left drama college with this very you know I was I'd just turned 20 and it was kind of like yeah. you know almost the kind of attitude you need like I'm going to be I'm going to do something mm. I'm going to make something of this this career which is the sort of attitude you need yeah yeah that you know? right yeah Fearless and yeah, yeah, fearless exactly, and and the self belief you need, almost like a kind of um, indestructible kind of self belief, you know, mm. which which uh, <laughs> later on starts to yeah it takes know, a, it takes the knocks and, yeah the yeah. cracks in the armor start <laughs> yeah. to appear you know. <laughs> well, mm. in nineteen ninety five, you yeah. did your first guest role in the bill. Now, did it, I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This right. is now. I'm hoping you can help me here because this is one okay. of the. This is the important one. I haven't been able to track down. You, mm. you, uh, you're in the last episode of series eleven. It's called Journey Home. You played a character called Terry Bennett. I remember Terry Bennett. Oh, here we go. Good. Yes, you got to bring this to life for me. I, I asked Karen Carpenter, who's a big The Bill fan. She's based in Australia. And I said, I'm meeting Greg. Have you seen this episode? And she said, Oh, pop it. And I said. What's Poppit? She said, "Oh, that's the Australian the Bill fan club's nickname." I did know Greg. that. I did know yeah. that. Poppit, yes. Yeah. Apparently, it's because they they say the opposite of something. So it was based on your height. You got called Poppit in the same way. If someone had red hair, they'd call them blue. So oh, it's the fact you were very tall. Oh, okay. The, the Bill fans in Australia love your height, and you. They were brilliant. Those Bill fans, I tell you, they were so so vocal and <laughs> like the emails and things they were brilliant yeah really cool well, you'll, you'll get a new wave when this goes out oh that'd be touch. nice yeah I'll yeah trip to Australia <laughs> yeah you'll do a cruise yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah that episode what do you remember of that then so you're, well, I'm guessing it was your first telly I think you might be right actually I think there was one little film before that yeah it was my first telly had no training in, in TV acting or anything like that and I was playing this guy, Terry Bennett, and if this is the right character, I'm sort of, I'm reaching here, but, but I seem to remember my, my scenes were with um, Ian Fletcher, who played Rod Scase, and Kevin Lloyd, who played Tosh Lines. Right, yeah, and that's the episode, yeah. That is the episode, yeah. okay, great, yeah, so, and there, were the, there was this couple of days where I was just on this set, and the strange thing about being on set at a bill at, at that time was that I was actually a fan of the bill. You know, I didn't. I never missed an episode. Wow. I actually loved watching it. You know, because it it, it had this um, sense that it was like a, a sort of kind of proper drama, cop drama thing that that sort of ended. It had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. And there were all these characters that I knew, and um, and I just remember turning up for that and kind of seeing these guys, especially you know Kevin Lloyd who was there, and I was like, oh my god, Tosh Lines, oh wow. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I was like keeping my calm, like keeping my cool. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just an act, you know, I'm an actor. Like, this is all right. Yeah, yeah. And we just had a real laugh on set. I just remember, like, they were so kind of nice and normal and chatty and just like, yeah, all right, mate. Is it, you know, <laughs> kind of just almost like checking. What What was quite funny actually coming on to set of, um, you know, a long running kind of soap, if you like, is that the actors that have been in it for a while kind of always checking out the guest artists like what's it like out there you know what's it like out there around in the outside world (laughs) because they're trying to check out you know like 
is it worth still <laughs> being in, you know, in a kind of like in playing this role, like this set role? So I sort of remember there was a bit of that, like they were kind of wow. going, what's it like? And I, and at that point, I was like, yeah, it's great, you know, <laughs> you know, just straight on. left drama college, did a thing, <laughs> now I'm doing this, then I'm doing that, you know, it was like, I, uh, yeah. They were put, I could probably almost like sense the disappointment in, the, in their reaction. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> this guy hasn't, certainly hasn't experienced the reality of, of the acting business. What was nice about it as well was just kind of filming it. And then six or seven weeks later, I think the turnaround was pretty quick. You know, watching it later and then going, oh, right, okay, that's interesting. And being able to sort of study it from, from an acting point of view and go, oh... Oh, I see. So if you do like really big movements or facial, whatever, you know, so it's kind of like learning, yeah, learning a craft yeah, yeah. and being able to watch it back and then go, oh, that, well, that's a bit, that was a bit crude. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or a bit over the top. Because I yeah. suppose nowadays they try, they teach all the TV acting at drama college. Which, I guess they must. I mean, yeah. I don't, uh, you know, I remember there was one afternoon where we went into the studio that was like these big cameras on uh, on wheels and there was certainly no acting technique offered mm. you know like mm. bring it all back down bring it all all down you know so there was a sort of tendency to to start with to do this kind of like act you know forgetting what the kind of where the lens is is it close up or are you doing a long shot yeah. all of that stuff I just learnt on the job basically wow. yeah so yeah yeah you know and you learn pretty quick because you you watch you watch yourself back and you kind of go oh god you know <laughs> Oh my god! I can't let that happen again. Right. You know, so right. you sort of baptism of fire, really. Uh, you know. You must have been impressed because eighteen months later, they had you back to play your second guest role called Andy Melford. Andy Melford. <laughs> oh my god! And you steal every scene you were in. Really? Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> you have your your foot on the desk when you're being interrogated by oh, your sure. Scott Andy and Fletcher again. They've actually gone around your house and, and found you've been hiding earrings and like little bits of jewellery. Yes, I remember. Sean's got very mild-mannered DRD. And says, so, uh, how did it get there? And you go, psychokinesis? Paranormal activity? Yes. <laughs> He's like a right cocky guy. Yeah. He's a brilliant character. <laughs> Later in the, uh, in the scene, when, when they actually turn it on and they're saying that they're going to fit you for a really much bigger thing you're like oh, hang on I don't, I don't like the sound of this where is this going you know yeah, you play yeah, it yeah. really really well it's a cracking little role oh that's nice to be reminded of that because um, again it, there's this feeling when you as a guest actor going into Sun Hill as it were like into the studio there's an enormous sense of pressure as a guest artist because, you know, you have to remember that you're going in there and these people are there day in, day out. You know, yeah. the crew, they all know each other. They've, even, they've spent weeks together, months, years. You know, they all kind of have a sort of way of working that's almost like just this is what we do now, then we turn around. You know, it was all one camera, you know, then turning around onto the other side. So what they would always do is they'd come in on the guest artist first with the camera get the guest artist performance and then sort of save the copper you know the detectives performance for last so they could kind right. of hone what they wanted to get gotcha okay so there was always a sort of feeling of like um i remember on that of feeling like a massive pressure to kind of get it right and you've been learning your lines for weeks and rehearsing it in your hat like how it's going to go and it's funny how like later on actually I remember when I when I was a detective I I noticed that nerves that, that kind of nerves mm. that the guest artist would bring in and I would always just try and do my best to like just like really like yeah. soften that because I 
I remembered how difficult that was as a guest artist to come in and, 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 and give this performance. And almost like if the, the person you were acting opposite was being a bit naughty, mm. they wouldn't give everything. Mm. You know? no. And I'm not saying Sean or, <laughs> or no. Ian did that, but, the, the, but I remember there was a kind of culture of that, of, of, uh, of it getting to a point where you know, the guest artist was giving everything every take. And if you're doing that every day and you're, and you're saying the same lines every day, basically, you know, what time was this? <laughs> what were they wearing? <laughs> Who was with you? You know, yeah. it's basically, yeah. you know, just, it's a different version of that yeah, every yeah, time yeah. you're a copper, you know. You just got back into character for yeah. like 20 years. Exactly. Like that, boom. So as a, as a guest artist for that episode, I remember feeling really lucky because the guest artist always got the best lines. That's how I felt anyway. Like It was like you got the freedom to just be like cocky or, or just kind of, you know, like, you, like I'm not guilty, Gov, or whatever it is. You, yeah. you, got to, you, know, you got to really inhabit that character. Four months later, you've joined a regular cast. So how did that happen? Did that part earn you? Because you were working with Kerry Piers as well in that episode. So like, all your colleagues in like a few months' time. I know. Maybe they saw a a camaraderie, or what, how did it happen? Do you know what? I don't. I've never even thought about that, and I don't really know. But I remember the time, the the era it, well in terms of like where I was living and what I was doing. I was working in a pizza restaurant. Wow. So I was living with some friends, and this, and I was working this pizza restaurant, and I was like. I was actually really content. You know, I was kind of getting these few acting roles and stuff. I've been acting then, I suppose, for quite... Well, I was probably 25 when oh, I started. Oh, I mean, this was 97 still, so like... 97. Two oh, right. years. So two and years. And you've done a prime, out. couple of prime suspects as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was doing that, and then I suppose, yeah, I was kind of doing this, this other day job, I guess, doing the pizza waiting, you know... And I was really enjoying my life. I was yeah. so happy. Yeah. I remember like this feeling of happiness, of contentedness. I was like, "This is great. I'm I'm doing plays. I'm I've got TV jobs coming up. I'm working in this restaurant, and I'm paying my rent, and I'm happy." <laughs> and I just yeah. remember actually thinking that like life is great. And then I went away on holiday with my family, and I was away in um, Portugal. And I remember getting this uh, call to say when you come in could you could you come back and have a come and have a meeting at the bill at, down at the studios in Merton and I was like yeah sure yeah yeah I'll come down what's all this about you know <laughs> and I went to meet um, Michael Chapman yeah yeah you know the sort of old school producer type at that point again I just had this kind of contentedness about me this kind of life is alright yeah. do you know what I mean I haven't been damaged <laughs> in yeah. any way I feel pretty good about my life yeah. and I walked into this I think I walked into this casting I had a pair of shorts on I was very casual yeah. I wasn't even thinking of like what they really I didn't really think about what they were offering me and I sort of walked in they're all blasé and had this great conversation and I think I'd been offered the part by the end of the day wow. you know and it and it, it was weird it was a weird feeling because I remember I sort of had these like high ideals of an, of an actor and one of my ideas was like I'm never going to do a soap I'm never going to be in a, in a soap and I'm never going to do this I'm beyond that you know right. what I mean? so I had this kind of like you know I thought I was like the bee's knees like yeah yeah I don't need to do those kind of and it, you know and if I did I wouldn't ever do it that long you yeah. know? 
And by the end of the day, they were like saying, okay, so we can offer you this much and you'd be on that retainer. And, duh, 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 duh. and I was like, okay, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, it was, uh, it was a sort of, yeah, change, a big sudden change to my life. You yeah. know, some positive, some negative, you know, it was like, mm. it was just like, wow, here we go. Right, let's, let's get on this fairground ride and go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. What did you like about Tom Proctor? How did you see the character and how did they sell him to you? Did he have like a Bible or... They, it's interesting because famously, I think the way that the writers sort of handed over the biog, and I think this was true for a lot of characters, it was very much like there was a backstory mm. in terms of like, I think I'd been transferred from the domestic violence unit in Hounslow, right? right? So... It's interesting, like, now I think about that, like, you know, I probably could have made more of that in terms of, like, how I played the character. But at the time, I was just like, okay, so that's just a random bit of information. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I seem to remember this. They said something like, Proctor is wet behind the ears. He's just new into, into CID. So he's been in uniform for about a year or something like that. And then now he's in CID and... He's basically like the new, he's a new copper and he's going to get on the nerves of like old dinosaurs like Carver and Lines and all this. And I thought, oh good, do you know what I mean? Like this should be fun. And it's interesting because this is something that became quite contentious throughout the the three years that I was there at least. And I I know it, it meant the same to other actors at the time. Is that what would happen is of course, because you get a lot of guest directors come in as well. Yeah. And then they would ask you to do things that didn't seem congruent with your character. And right. this is this this got really difficult because to to start with, like my first year, I was like, yeah, just do, yeah, whatever the director tells me. Yeah, okay. Oh, like suddenly my character does this. Wow, that's out of you know out of the blue. And then by the end of it, I was like questioning everything. Like, well, I don't think Tom Proctor would do that actually. You know, it was sort of like. <laughs> almost out of boredom <laughs> so I'm, you know like right okay let's really let's really uh, discuss this because you know why would Tom Proctor get out of that side of the car and, and run there when you know we actually you know it, it was quite a lot of fun because I had a lot of fun with Ian uh, Fletcher who played Rudd Scase because we we would um, discuss endlessly on uh, on set like where we had just come from <laughs> And, uh, and it seemed to like really, in, you know, help inhabit the scene that we were going to. Yeah. So we would do things like we would end up on set having raced from the canteen. So that was like our story. Like we were downstairs having lunch and then the gov called us up. So like when we got here, we just started racing like people do. Like I'm going to race down this corridor. I'm going to beat you. Let's get there first. So we would enter a scene like having had a race. <laughs> or things like that so it became sort of really enjoyable in terms of little things that you you brought to that I, you know that I brought to the character would then kind of get picked up by the writers and you know mm. that's that was the kind of hope is that you would something they saw in the way that you were portraying the character would then like end up in another episode you know and I think that, that's what happened with a few a few of my episodes I kind of got the wall pulled over my eyes by a lot of um women yes yeah yeah 
<laughs> yeah, so there was this kind of like naivety where I just kind of wanted like fell in love or wanted to believe that you know they were right and all this, and so they just kind of used me for their evil yeah. ends, basically. Yeah. <laughs> You actually starred as Proctor in over 100 episodes. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I didn't actually know that. Yeah. That's interesting to know that, yeah. I've picked out a few of my faves okay. to remind you of, and we'll see what, what memories come Go back. Go for it. It's an early one with you and Ian, and it's called Out on a Limb okay. by Colin Wyatt, and you both end up being held hostage it's a lovely actress A.D. Allen's house and she's hired a man to kill her husband and he didn't actually kill him and so he's, he's come up to pick up his 900 quid well Ian's gone in first he said look I'm going to do with this Tom and just before that scene you said you're taking the radio and Ian's like what are you taking that for because then the station know where we are like if we don't take that they can't get hold of us yeah. and he said well I think it's the right thing to do I'm going to take the radio so he goes inside and ends up being held at gunpoint. And after a while, you think, what's going on here? You decide to go in, you think, I'll take the radio with me. You go on in and you end up being held gunpoint too. But then you yes. take the initiative and you press the, the panic alarm on the radio, which sends an all system, all the station can hear, a DC proctor, we're at this address, all units come and help. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you read out the wrong address. <laughs> and oh. so all the cops go to the wrong, like, instead of like close, you say street or something. And so they're then going around looking for you. And it, the radio is still on. And then you're like, you've given the wrong address. And Ian's face is just a picture. Like, he's like, you've given the wrong address. Yeah. And when they all come in and save the day at the end of the episode, you're like, oh, it's great. We've got a result, right? And he's yes. like, next time I'll tell you to stay in the car stay in the car Ooh. and it's like the first bit of like because I suppose you know that's in your first you know couple of months and it's probably the sort of thing Proctor never really recovered from because everyone on the radio has known what what's happened I here. think you're right I think there was this kind of uh, inept trait came out and 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 there was something sort of quite um enjoyable about playing that you know yeah. like this kind of like getting it wrong not quite ever getting it right and and then and and then also feeling like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've definitely got it right this time. He's always sort of desperate to prove yeah. Yeah. that this time I've got it right and I'm going to prove to you lot that, that I have. And then he'd sort of mess it up. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like right yeah. at the end again or, you know, so, well, yeah, then, that was quite enjoyable. Oh, you've got some marvellous moments. I mean, there's another episode where it's actually about Proctor's ex-girlfriend played by Annabelle Apsian. Yes. Had a fantastic career. That's that's the first episode where you get top billing as well, which must have been a nice feeling, the, you know, primetime television, you're the top billed actor in the it, Amazing, show. amazing. And, and again, it's that sort of feeling of like, ooh, okay, <laughs> this is new. You yeah. know, like I've got some sort of, I've got something to fulfil here. In some ways, that's sort of like when, for me, you know, sl- slightly some doubt came in, like, you know, am I up to this? Like is this going to be, you know, entertaining enough? Mm. Like, you know, mm. wanting it to be the sort of best it could be. Really hoping for that because, you know, you, you, it's something that you can feel proud of or or, or not. You right. know, like, it could go the other way. Yeah. You know, and actually feel like, oh, my God, I've made a right mess of that. And I was the pro- top billing. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. I just, I do actually remember there's that sort of um, very ambivalent feeling about feeling that, 
you know the difference from being going from being supporting detective you know sort of like a, you know in a sort of secondary storyline yeah. to this is my storyline now yeah. oh hello well you make the most of it because in in the storyline in this one you uh, your ex-girlfriend she thinks she's been threatened by one man in particular but yeah. he's still in in jail yes that's right and you have a great scene where you're actually trying to get the answer you want and you're going in quite tough yes and, and ian takes a back seat in that scene just lets you you go with it and it's a great scene you get the answer you know you right i suppose it must have been quite again not just from your point of view of the guest actor in that scene but when you've actually played a suspect on the end of an interrogation yeah. that must have helped inform you how to then interrogate you know and the buttons to be pressed yeah I, I remember that really well there was a scene and it was in a, in a prison cell and I can't actually remember which prison we filmed it in but yeah there was this, this sort of culmination in in you know yeah, you made her feel like that, didn't you, Colin? And, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, what are you going to say now, Colin? You know, and it, I remember that, yeah, that it, yeah. It, you know, those chances to really emote, if you like, mm. you know, yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. come along too often. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So, so when they did, it was, it was um, quite cathartic, really, yeah. you know, to actually really have a, a, a character that was kind of on the edge of something, you know, like really wanting to push the suspect to, to confess. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I got the confession out of him in the end. Or Proctor did. <laughs> did you have like police advisors helping you? With, oh yeah, with mm. yeah, yeah. There were these two guys who were just so lovely. I can't remember their names, but they were they were brilliant. They were they were there the whole time, basically, just kind of like yeah, you know. If you ever had any kind of um, doubts as to what would happen, you know, you'd just be sort of saying to them, "Is this pushing it beyond reality, or mm. you know, can I get away with that?" Or yeah, yeah. It was it was it was good fun in that way. Like you could kind of an extension of the reality kind of playing it up but but also sort of based in reality so. yeah there's a good episode where, where Proctor does get to win he, he, is there he, yeah it's called good. Opposites it's the first time you're paired with Mark Wingett yeah, yes who uh, you've just shown me a terrific photograph of you on his boats uh, yeah well that's it Mark Mark took me out on um, he's, he, he had a boat down in uh, like a, a fishing boat kind of can't remember actually where it was down on the south coast somewhere but he, he took me out one day on his boat and I was just sick I was like motion sick from the, the moment I got on that boat until the moment I got off and uh, yeah so there's, I've got a great picture of Mark sort of like driving his boat solitary out to sea you know and, and I must have just like looked up for one minute and taken this picture <laughs> and kind of like lay down again and I just remember this yeah, torturous boat ride with Mark Wingett <laughs> Well, he, he puts you through the mill a bit in this episode because he doesn't he doesn't think much of Proctor. No, he doesn't. You're the new young gun, ambitious, yeah. and you know for, for his character, like he's been doing the CRD now for ten years, still yes. at that rank, so which he played so so marvelously. But there's a great bit where you suss out that in this episode called Opposites, yeah, directed again by Robin Shepherd. Robin Shepherd, she was a really standout director for me. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, she she directed one of my guest episodes. That's right, right. absolutely yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She was great. She was had a really lovely way of directing it. It, it was brilliant. She could just really get you into you know the reality that you needed to be in, so she could get what she wanted. You know, nice. and she had such a lovely way about about doing that. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to, to find know what people. she's yeah, up yeah, to. Yeah. yeah, Well, this this one's good because you've got you've got a big geezer comes out of the car and like presses you against a garage to try and beat you up, and you you uh, 
kick him in the stomach and then whack out yes, battle. yeah battle yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, take yeah. him out and then they, the cavalry turn up arrest him but yeah T- Proctor gets his it's his first proper result in the bill and you give it you give it that look you just give yeah, me yeah. is the look you give and you get the drums on that episode that's right I got the drums I <laughs> yeah. remember I remember that yeah 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 yeah. and that that was a kind of thing in itself wasn't it is, is, yeah. is like who's it ending on who's, yeah. who's getting the last shot yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a moment for sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gets the drums once again. Greg and I will be back in part two.